0: Have you, ever one, have you ever had one particular event that drastically altered your life forever? Whether in a positive or a negative way. Maybe an untimely death in your family or perhaps a job change or a geographic move. In our scripture reading today that Melissa read, a Simon Peter experiences such a life-changing event. The first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, tell tell this story of Jesus calling Peter and Andrew from their lives of fishing. Often when reading this story, I had the false impression that this was the first time that Peter had ever met Jesus and that he immediately, that very first day of seeing him, just left his nets to follow Jesus. However, If you look at John, I think it's the first chapter, uh, John's Gospel um, tells about Peter's first encounter with Jesus. In brief, we have the story of Andrew, Peter's brother, is, is hanging out with John the Baptist. When Jesus walks by and John the Baptist says to Andrew and a couple others, there goes the Messiah. And so Andrew runs and and finds his brother Peter and says, come, come, come see, we found the Messiah. And John says that they actually spent some time together, maybe even overnight with Jesus before this event that, that we read about today. So our text in Luke that we just heard has a few details on this beach scene that Matthew and Mark don't include. For example, we read, we heard, Jesus steps into Peter's boat. I don't even think he asked him. He just stepped into Peter's boat and said, hey, push off a little bit here because I I need to get away from the crowds that are wanting to hear me on the shore. And it says Jesus spoke to them. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking. Of course, we wonder how long a sermon. Was that a 20-minute sermon or was that a two-hour sermon? We don't know. But when Jesus finishes speaking, um, Peter, uh, Jesus tells Peter to push off the boat into the deeper water, we heard. And, oh, uh, Jesus, I I don't want to do that. I fished all night. We've fished all night without a single bite, without a single fish. Okay, I'll do it. And then the boats, as you heard, both boats begin to sink. Peter realizes that he's in the presence of a holy man and he doesn't feel deserving to be close to him. Jesus says, don't be afraid, from now on you'll be fishing for people. And Peter is ready to say yes. Quote, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. We know that Simon Peter was quite impulsive by nature. But what was it about Jesus that caused him to drop everything, his, his livelihood, his reputation, and to some extent his family? in order to follow Jesus? Was it the short time that he and Andrew had spent with Jesus the first time they met? Was it something Jesus said in that message on the boat to the crowd that stirred his heart and his imagination? Was it the miracle of the big fish haul? We don't know. And on the flip side, why did Jesus choose Simon Peter of all people? Undoubtedly he was the unspoken leader of a group of simple fishermen, yes but but so rough around the edges, so simple and uneducated in today 's terms to say it mildly, we would say, just a country bumpkin, <laughs> and so impetuous and, and unpredictable his personality. I suppose that some of you have seen the a film series called *The Chosen*. I know some. Uh, Leona spoke to me about that, and I think it was either Josh or Eric that put a picture in your bulletin of this particular scene. It was, it was one of the first episodes, and one of the first uh, events where, where after today's story, Peter is questioning some sort of strange action of Jesus, and Jesus. The picture is there in the bulletin. If you want to see that i don't know how they captured that that particular thing but it's right there where jesus looks at peter with a twinkle in his eye and he says get used to different get used to different (laughs) fast forward with me now through some of the events that peter experienced when he began to follow jesus over the next three and a half years the sermon on the mount with such strange teachings as turn the other cheek and and Love your enemies, the feeding of more than 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish, the healing the sick, and even raising Lazarus from the dead. Life for Peter certainly has been different than he ever imagined that day when he left his boat to follow this controversial rabbi. So then we come to the night before Jesus' crucifixion when he tells his disciples that they'll all desert him. And Peter says, oh, no, Lord, I won't. Even if I have to die, I will never desert you. And Jesus tells Peter about, he predicts this threefold denial before the rooster crows. And then just a few hours later, in the courtyard of the high priest, when that third denial comes and the rooster crows, Peter goes out and weeps bitterly, a broken man. Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning restores the hopes and dreams of his disciples as he appears to them two times within the space of a week. But their excitement quickly wears off. We read the story in John chapter 21 when seven of the disciples are hanging out together, waiting for Jesus to show up again. They don't know when and where he's going to show up again. And Peter stands up among his friends and he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. There's a lot to unpack in those three words. We could imagine things like this. At least I know how to do that. At least I won't mess up like I did with Jesus. It's something safe and predictable unlike following jesus (laughs) the others follow him fish all night without catching a thing and some guy on the shore hollers out through the fog they can't tell who it is at first telling them to throw their nets on the other side and they do that and and the boats begin to sink it's a repeat of that memorable day we just read about when jesus calls peter to follow him Peter jumps into the water and and hurries into the beach to find Jesus there with a fire and some fish and bread and they have breakfast together. During breakfast, Jesus poses this question to Peter, as you know, do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. The unspoken message there in that interchange between Jesus and Peter, Peter You failed, you failed, you let me down. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter now, I believe in you. I have work for you to do. Peter's life was altered forever that day when he left his boat to follow Jesus. He had many opportunities to get used to different, did he not? So what lessons do we find in this story for our lives today. I can think of at least three. Number one. Uh, there it is, thank you, Josh. <clears throat> Number one, Jesus calls ordinary, imperfect people to do his work here on earth. The world tends to respect and follow those who are the most highly educated, the most, those who are the most gifted in public speaking, those with financial resources, but Jesus doesn't care about any of those things. And you're, you're welcome to say amen. I, or, yeah, if you agree, you're welcome to say amen. Some churches I preach at, they just sit there, mm. are they listening or not? So I'll say it again just in case you want to. Jesus doesn't care about any of those things. <laughs> Thank you. Paul makes this point well in 1 Corinthians 1, and I'm going to read from the message paraphrase. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chooses men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses to expose the the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? Know the fact that Jesus chose someone like Peter gives us no room for excuses when Jesus calls us to come and follow him and serve him. Number two, Jesus doesn't give up on us when we fail. Boy, that's a biggie for me. We will make make mistakes. Believe me, I made them as well as you. We will make make mistakes as we try to follow Jesus. But Jesus doesn't abandon us when we mess up. And the songs this morning spoke to that and and Ruben's uh, introduction. Jesus stays by our side, assuring us of his never-failing love, patient, compassionate, giving us the strength we need to pick up when we fall and keep on going. Number three, following Jesus might be an unpredictable and even risky journey. I'll (laughs) I'll spend the most time on this point, so I'll repeat it. Following Jesus might be an unpredictable and even risky journey. <clears throat> As we've seen, Peter's life became unpredictable and risky when he, chose, when he chose to follow Jesus' call. Countless others throughout history, we could name thousands of names, people throughout history, who also have needed to get used to different in order to follow Jesus. And although my life has been much less dramatic than Peter's, to be sure, allow me a few personal examples. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we retired from pastoring at Beach Menonite Church in Stark County six years ago and moved back to Dover, we had no concrete plans for what to do for retirement. Perhaps not a very good idea. So when uh, winter draws along, I retired in November when we moved back to our little place up there at the end of Walnut Street by the park. During that first winter when weather prohibited beekeeping and gardening or kayaking or biking or those kinds of things, I was getting a little stir crazy. Jeanette was ready to say, Got to do something here. <laughs> so, Joel and Rose's daughter Maria suggested I check into a job as an interpreter for Hispanic kids at Dover High School. I interviewed and was hired. I see Abby Rice there occasionally uh, in the halls. I'm not assigned to any of her classes per se, but I see her in the halls quite often and say hi. <clears throat> But before I started, doubts quickly set in. Is my Spanish good enough for biology and American history and algebra and all the other classes? Even more importantly, will this old, balding guy be able to relate to high school kids with their weird hair and their cell phones and their eyes glued to this this thing? Actually, it's turned out pretty good. Turned out pretty, pretty neat. However, on my first day on the job, God gave me this wonderful, reassuring gift. I walk into the office to say hello. Excuse me. And there on the secretary's desk is a little handwritten note. And all it said was Joshua 1-9. Wow. That is so cool. What is so cool about Joshua 1.9? It was the theme verse that the elders and I had chosen at Beach Mennonite Church my last year of pastoring. So it had been just a few months prior to, uh, to retirement. We had, a, we had a banner hanging in the sanctuary, and we all set it together as a congregation at the end of every worship service. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm still there six years later and I'm still enjoying it three days a week. In addition to my work at the high school, Jeanette and I got to know one particular family early on. They live right out here on Third Street, just a couple blocks east. We do a lot of, we've done a lot of things together over the last five years or so that we got to know them. <clears throat> There's a dad with three adult children living with him, and then he has a wife and a daughter still in Guatemala. One particularly cold day about three years ago, I drove to his house to take his 21-year-old son to an appointment at the courthouse down in New Philly. He jumped into my pickup with only jeans and a T-shirt. When I started my truck, I looked up, and there in front of me blocking me in was a black SUV with its lights flashing. In my rear view mirror, I see another similar black SUV with lights flashing. Two uniformed and armed men come running up to both sides of us. They have dark, they have black uh, coats with I-C-E, big I-C-E letters here. When I roll down my window, the guy on my side points to my friend and says, we need him. I said, why? I don't need to tell you. Okay. With a, with a lump in my throat, I blurted out, uh, you can't do that without a, an, arrest, an arrest warrant. So he went back to his vehicle and he brought me this paper and he kind of held it up. I was, I was too, uh, too nervous to look at it carefully, but perhaps it was legit. The guy on the other side opened the other door and ordered my friend to get out and quickly slapped handcuffs on his wrist behind his back. I said, Can he go inside to get a coat and say goodbye to his family? Nope, and he hauled him off. A short version of the ending. He was taken to a detention center somewhere in the Youngstown area overnight, but was allowed to call his immigration lawyer, who verified to ICE that he was here with proper documentation and they had gotten the wrong guy. They hadn't made a mistake. And a friend of his, one of his friends, drove there the next morning to bring him back home. As word gets around of a retired bilingual couple in town who help Hispanics, we're getting busier and busier with all sorts of needs. One of the most fulfilling activities happens right here in your coffee shop every Wednesday. Many of you were here some weeks ago when Jeanette shared about her office hours at the coffee shop from 11 to 1 and she never finishes at 1 o'clock. Hispanics come with their bag of mail, letters and bills and all sorts of things to be translated and explained. And my schedule now allows me to help her on Wednesdays. Pastor Eric always greets those who come with a smile and a warm hola and an offer of freshly brewed coffee and Melissa is always helpful down in in threads below some of the situations we encounter with Hispanics are amusing I could tell you some funny stories other stories are heart-wrenching really heart-wrenching still others seem to have no solution that we can figure out but all of them all of them are outside the norm of what we expected in our retirement years. I guess you might say. Even in our 70's. We are needing to get used to different. So I'll wrap this up. This morning with two questions. For your reflection. I think Josh will put them up. For you to think about. For a few minutes here. Number one, first, Which of the three points above. Oh do you. I thought I had a slide with them on there yet. The three points. Yeah, I guess you can leave them if you can't combine them. Uh, Which of the three points above is most relevant to your life today? Which one of those is most relevant to you, to your life today? And secondly, what unpredictable, scary step might the Spirit be calling you to take? And on And on this second question, you can think of it individually since Jesus has different work for each of us to do, but you can also think of it as a collective question. What would Jesus call you to do as a church family? And here I would just throw out an observation. In the last, as most of you know, in the last 10 to 15 years, Your building here has, because of demographic changes, your building has become located right smack in the middle of Guatemalaville, right? All around. I know that Sarah and Joel are working in many ways with Hispanics, but perhaps perhaps there is more that the Spirit would lead you as a church family, as a congregation to do. Let's pray. Indeed God, you are awesome. The way you've created the world, the way you've created human beings to serve you and to care for creation, the way you've created us to relate to each other, the way you saved us from our our sins and brought us back into your family thank you for speaking to us this morning in a variety of ways through scripture through music through message we know you're here your holy spirit is speaking to each of our hearts and we pray that we would be willing to take that risk to say yes to whatever it is we will give you the credit for what you do here